Hi, Kev here. New to my podcast is my replay list. Go check them out. Thanks again. Now back to the podcast. Log entry number 726. This is the story of a journey among the stars. An intergalactic adventure so astounding that even now, as the great trauma draws to its close, I find it difficult to believe it actually happened. But the evidence is there. What we have all been through was no bad dream, nor the figment of some crazy imagination. Even now, we cannot survive, except by the intervention of a miracle. We could still be pursued, attacked, and totally destroyed. And even if we escape our pursuers, we haven't enough air or food to last the long journey home. When at last we do come within the influence of the gravitational field of the Earth, our vessel will automatically go into orbit round it. At some time, the ship must be sighted, boarded and salvaged, but none of us will be alive. The craft that is now our home will by then be our flying tomb. So, for the record, I intend to set down a full account of the amazing things that have befallen us. It all began many Earth years ago, during the summer, the northern summer of 2010. Or maybe that is still in the future. I cannot be sure. Even time seems to have slipped out of joint. Zero minus thirty, twenty-nine, twenty-eight, twenty-seven, Anyhow, forward or backward, during the summer of the year 2010 A.D., we, that is, Space Commodore Saxonberry, astronautical engineer Lodric Sancier, Second Communications Officer Lemuel Chipper Barnett, and I, Professor Magnus, were setting off on what we thought was a regular, routine flight to the moon. Three, two, one. We have takeoff. We present Space Force, an intergalactic encounter starring Barry Foster, Nigel Stock, Nicky Henson, and Tony Sober. Episode 1, The Voice from Nowhere. Achieved escape velocity, lunar trajectory established. You're on your own. Have a good trip. Thank you, Control. We'll call you later. Okay, we'll begin flight checks. Loderick, you go below and check motors. Right. I'll get some food. I'm virtually a passenger on this trip, so I might as well earn my keep. Oh, good, sir. Tend to the navigation readout, Chip. Doing it. Excuse me, Magnus. Yes, Loderick. Could you give me a hand with this helmet? I can't lock it. Oh. How long have you had this? Ever since I came on the moon run. It's well nigh worn out. <laughs> like everything else on this old tub. Perhaps I should indent for a new one. No need. Space Force will be supplying you with a completely new rig out. There. How's that? Fine. Communication all right? Loud and clear. I'll open the lock for you. Thank you. Won't be long. Don't get lost down there. Trouble with Lodrig is he's space-struck. What's that? Wow, crazy on stars, astronomy and all that. Spends hours in the observation dome gazing at the sky. I can hear you. Well, it's true, isn't it? 
I would have thought stargazing a perfectly normal pastime for an astronaut. Well, depends, doesn't it? What do you mean? Chipper, how about that readout? Just doing it, Saxon. I'll cover the radiation check. Meanwhile, you transmit the first flight report for control. Right. Hello, control. Freighter 9 calling Earth Control. Hello, Freighter 9, receiving you loud and clear. Here's the first navigation readout for flight number 024, April 9th, 2010. Zero hours, five minutes, universal time. We are spaceborne. Speed 30,000.72. Estimated time of arrival, three days, 19 hours and 42 minutes. Flight information received. Your landing point will be given in due course. Transmission navigation report completed. Good. some refreshment. Let's relax. It's easier said than done. I'm too worked up. What will it be like, this Space Force? And the new ship. Have you seen it? Oh, it's large. Very large. The crew's quarters are very spacious. Well, comparatively. Better than this old croc, I bet. Oh, infinitely. Freight ships were never built for comfort. You can say that again. A couple of trips on this run soon knocked all romantic notions of space travel out of me. <laughs> Not much romance in dumping atomic waste on the moon. Sometimes I feel I know more than a universal flying dustman. And flying dustbin just about describes this old crate. Our space force will be different. Latest and best equipment. Most powerful motors ever designed. Enough punch to send us to the end of the solar system and back. We should live that long. Well, it'll be exciting work. Exploration of new moons and planets. Is this a deep probe? Yes. How far? Well, we'll know when we're briefed, after we've touched down on moon base. Why all the secrecy? I didn't plan the trip. I've merely been appointed to command it. What do we let ourselves in for? Well, it must be better than dumping rubbish on the moon. Hello, Lunar Freighter 9. Flight number 024, Earth Control calling. Hello. Chipper, you want it? So I hear. Hello, Earth Control, Freighter 9, Flight 024, receiving Hello, you over. Flight 024, Earth Control mm. calling. Will you answer, please? What do you think I'm doing? You've gone deaf or something? I repeat, Freighter 9, Flight 024, what can we do Freighter for you? Freighter 9, Flight 024, come in, please. They're not hearing me. They must be. Flight 024, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Flight Hello, Control. We're receiving you loud and clear. Something's wrong with their receiver. Or our transmitter. But we spoke to control right after takeoff. Hello, Freighter 9. Try Lunar Control. Hello, Lunar. Freighter 9, flight 024, calling Lunar Control. Need your assistance. Come in, please. If we establish contact... Hello, Earth Control. Lunar calling. Now, Lunar thinks we're Earth. Hello, listen, listen. Lunar. We have lost contact with Freighter 9. Can you help? Hello, Luna. Hello, Earth. This is Freighter 9. We monitor we... your contact with Freighter 9 immediately after takeoff. Reception was good then. Mm, it's not their receivers. Must be our transmitter. Keep watch, Luna. We'll do the same and call you in a few minutes. Chipper, you ground-tested this equipment before takeoff. Of course I did. And what do you think could be wrong? Don't know. We're pumping out bags of power. It's as if we've no antenna. Oh, that's it. A fault with the antenna. What? Probably hasn't emerged, got stuck. Oh. It's happened before. Then how did you raise control after takeoff? Well, we were so near to Earth, they'd have picked us up if we'd been transmitting on a length of string. Can you check the aerial now, from in here? Well, according to the amateur, the aerial's working. Loderick. Yes? Go to the forehead televiewer. See if the antenna's in place. No good. Why not? Televiewer's vision is blocked by the curve of the ship. Antenna can't be seen from inside. Not even from the observation dome? No. Then somebody will have to go out and inspect it. No contact with control means no automatic navigation. No progress reports, no assisted landing procedure, nothing. We'd have to manhandle the ship. Somebody must go outside, then. Put your suit on. Yes. Me? Your electronics and communications officer. Yes, I'll go. No, Roderick, this is Chipper's job. But I've, I've never been outside. Not out. 
there in space. All astronauts are trained for it. Yes, but how many of them ever have to do it? Except in an emergency. This is an emergency. If there's something wrong with the antenna, it's got to be fixed. I suppose so. I'll help you with your suit. Oh, thanks, Lodric. That's very generous. Remember, Chipper, it's perfectly safe. Just make sure your safety line is secure. Thanks for the encouragement. Now, if the antenna needs repair and you want help, Lodric or I will join you. But don't call us out unless it's essential. Oh, great. Now, lock your helmet. How's communication? Loud and clear. All right. Open the airlock. Good luck, Chipper. Take it slowly now. You sure you wouldn't like me to go with him, Saxon? If he needs you, he'll ask. Yes, sir. How is it, Chipper? Okay. You can start pumping the air out. Space suit inflating. That's it? Everything okay? Yes. Have safety line, torch. You can open a cage and let me out. Don't move a step until the line is secured. Doing it. Done. Away you go, then. Roderick, stand by the furrow teleview. See if you can follow his progress. Right. What a sight. What is? The Earth. All silver and blue and so big. I'm sure you've seen that before. Never so close and not natural like this. Can you see the antenna? Not yet. I'll need to move forward. Gently does it. Don't push too hard. You'll go drifting off. Yeah, yeah. Don't scare me. Ah, there it is. Well? Sticking out in front like the snout of a swordfish, just as it should be. Chipper now in view. Moving forward. Mm-hmm. Can you get close? Yes. Then take a good look at it. Right. Can you still see him, Lodric? Just disappearing round the ship's nose. Hello, Saxon. Yes, Chip. Everything appears to be in order. No reason why it shouldn't work. Can you carry out any kind of test? Well, not really, but you can. What can we do? Wait until I've moved back a couple of feet. Now, switch on the transmitter. How's that? What does the aerial ammeter read? Nine. No reason why it shouldn't be working. Hello, Earth. Lunar Freighter 9 calling. Hello. Hello, Saxon. Yes, I can hear you. What did you say? I said, yes, I can hear you. No, no, before that, Epsi, uh, Epsilon or something. Epsilon? Yes. I said nothing about Epsilon. There it is again. I don't hear anything. Do you, Magnus? No. Roderick? No. None of us hear anything. But you must. And that, well, music. Music? Well, a, a, a sort of music. Oh, blimey. What is it? Oh, oh I don't like this. Chipper! I'm coming back in. Oh, oh, help. Chipper, 
Hipper, can you hear me? It's Earth Control at last. They've heard us. You left the transmitter on. Hello, Earth Control. Freighter 9, flight 024. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Where have you been? Having a little trouble right now. What kind of trouble? That's what we're trying to find out. Electrical or mechanical? Listen, we'll call you back. Chipper, chipper. I think he must have passed out. I'll have to go and fetch him back. Be careful. Prepare the airlock while I get my suit on. Your landing point will be Area 17 in the Mare Serenatus near the crater vessel. Lunar latitude 22.75 degrees north and lunar longitude 18.32 degrees east. Hope Communication Officer Barnett has come to no serious harm. Well, he's still unconscious. They'll give you a routine call in two hours. Roger. Transmission to Earth Control completed. Thanks, Ludrick. Oh, he's coming round. Hand me that drink. Thanks. Oh, where am I? Don't worry. You're perfectly safe inside the ship. I thought I was outside. I was out there inspecting the antenna. That's right. Now, take a sip of this. And then that weird music and that voice. Yeah, we heard no voice, nor music. Well, I did. And pretty horrible it was, too. See me right inside my head, frighten the life out of me. Take it easy. And it, it kept saying Epsilon. Epsilon um, Solar, that's it. Epsilon Solar. What's Epsilon? It's the fifth letter of the ancient Greek alphabet. So what would Epsilon Solar mean? <sighs> Very little. It, it makes no sense. Then why should somebody keep repeating now, it? Now listen, Chipper. You've had a bad experience. I know that. We believe you received an electric shock from the antenna when you asked me to switch on the transmitter. But I moved away, especially to avoid that. It seems you didn't move far enough. Your mind was playing you tricks. While you were in a state of semi-consciousness, you interpreted our voices coming over the intercom as something else. Now, do you remember drifting off to the end of your safety line? No. Saxon had to haul you in. You've been out cold until a few moments ago. None of you heard anything? No. No music? No. Or voices? No. Then I suppose you all think I imagined it. Seems like it. Now, why don't you lie still and let that drink take effect? In an hour or two, you'll feel fine. Lunar Freighter 9, Flight 024, calling Lunar Control. Hello, Flight 024. You're loud and clear. Routine report number 27, flight number 024. Time since takeoff, two days, 13 hours, 54 minutes UT. All well here. Their normal landing procedure will be in 10 hours, 50 minutes from now. Retrograde motors will be fired and landing speed controlled by us. Am I understood? Normal landing procedure beginning in 10 hours, 50 minutes from now. Landing point 17 near Crater Bessel. Correct. We'll carry out final inspection of ship and cargo and call again two hours before landing time. Roger, and good luck. Flight report transmission completed. Good. Ten hours to landing procedure. Plenty of time to carry out routine inspections. I'd like to come with you, if I won't be in the way. Uh, nothing much to see, Magnus, but you're welcome. Just put your helmet on. Oh, thanks. And you two can take it easy for a bit. I'd like to go into the observation dome for a while. Certainly. Enjoy your stargazing. Come on, Magnus. Let's get below. You staying here then, Chipper? 
While you're stargazing, I shall indulge a little TV gazing. I brought three new videos this trip, and this is the first chance I've had to see even one of them. Oh, uh, not old Western films. You like stars, I like old Westerns. Didn't you bring anything this time? Yes, I did. Here. What's that? It's a Cassegrainian. Very rare. 18th century. It's like a telescope Nelson held to his blind eye. What would you do with a thing like that? It was used for some serious work in its day. But not at sea. No, it's the wrong kind of instrument for that. This is an astronomical instrument. Wouldn't show much, would it? Telescope that size? Well, I admit it's only a three-inch mirror. Well, not a mirror, really. It's highly polished metal. But it worked very well when I tried it down on Earth. Where'd you get it? I picked it up at an auction. Uh... I expected to perform even better up here, outside the Earth's atmosphere. How many of these things you've got now? Seventeen. All ages and sizes. But mostly 19th century. This is the oldest. You're dying to try it out. <laughs> is there room for it in the observation dome? Just. We'll have a good time. You too. See you later. Enjoy your westerns. Not off. I'll have that then. The Magnificent Seven. That'll do for a start. Ah, westerns beat space fiction any day. What's that? Oh. oh, no, it's here again. What? Saxon! Magnus! Help! Help! Mess looks bad. Get your helmet off, quick. Loverick, when you've got your helmet off, get the first aid box. Yes, sir. Hey, Chipper, come on, wake up. The TV, it's completely wrecked. Bits floating all over the place. Here you are. Thanks, Loverick. Now call up Lunar and Earth Controls, make sure we're still in contact. Right. Oh, he's coming round. Oh, Magnus, where'd you come from? What's you doing? Wiping the blood away. Blood? You've a nasty cut above the left eye. What happened, Chipper? The TV blew up in my face. I can see that, but how? What caused it? I can't say. I just put the video cassette on, expecting a normal Western with a few gunfights. It looks as though you had them. Instead, I got this weird noise. The same sound I heard outside. A terrible penetrating sound and someone, a woman, screaming about epsilon, atoms and DNA. Are you sure you put the right cassette on? Yes, look for yourself. Was the woman in the picture? I don't know. Picture broke up, all lines and zigzags, but the music and her voice were there. It was overwhelming. And the screen shattered. Next thing I remember is looking up at you. Here, I'll drink this. Magnus, come over to the navigation table, will you? Chipper, you stay where you are. Don't move. Well, it's certainly not his imagination this time. A bit of the TV floating all around the cabin is real enough. First, the antenna doesn't function. And the video machine blows itself up, and both times, Chipper, who happens to be close to both, is completely knocked out. But first he hears strange music, and stranger voices, or so he says. What was he said he heard? Epsilon solar. The, the, the height of human beings. Atomic numbers for hydrogen and carbon. And the skinny triangle. Among other things. Well, somewhere I've come across that same odd list before. Oh, when? Oh, years ago. When I was a student. University? No, no, after that. At the School of Astronautic Science. I took a special course in extraterrestrial physics. 
Well, how does that have any bearing on Chipper's old Western wrecking the TV? Give me a little time. I might answer that. Uh, could I call Earth Control and ask them to put me in touch with the school? Of course. Meanwhile, Lodric and I'll start tidying the place up. It looks as though all hell's broken loose in here. If my hunch is right, it probably has. What? Do you have a headpiece I can use? I wouldn't like Chipper to hear what I'm saying. Oh. Yes, just plug your intercom into the receiver. It'll automatically cut out the loudspeaker. Ah. Thanks. Well, did you get what you wanted? Is Chipper awake? Fully. I'll need to talk to him. Go ahead. How are you feeling, Chipper? Oh, all right. Could you answer a few questions? Okay. That voice, that woman's voice you heard on the videotape, what did it say exactly? Oh, I can't remember exactly, but it was something about Epsilon Solar. Thank you for your message. The atomic numbers of various chemicals, the height of man, population of the Earth, and the skinny triangle, whatever that is. She finished up with, hear this. But as the TV blew up at that point, I didn't hear anything. Now think. Think carefully. Have you ever been told or read about Arecibo? Are you? No, not who. It. Arecibo's a telescope. Oh, Lodrick's the one who knows about telescopes, don't you, Lodrick? I collect old brass optical no, telescopes. No, 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 no. No, this is a radio telescope, actually. Oh. Chipper, you've never knowingly heard or read about the Arecibo? Or perhaps seen a picture of it sometime? No, I'm a simple communications officer. Radio astronomy is out of my field. What's this got to do with the TV blowing up? The Arecibo was engaged in highly important work. It was used to beam messages into space, deep space, in the hope that if the signals were ever picked up, they would be acknowledged. We'd then have proof of other beings inhabiting the universe besides ourselves. But how do you send a message to people you don't know? Who don't speak your language? And whose civilizations could be so different they couldn't make sense of what you're saying, even if they heard the signal. The Arecibo operators had thought of that. They figured that the same physical laws must apply right through the universe. The conditions that produce life on Earth would produce life on any other planet. And mathematical laws, the laws of chemistry, they must be the same throughout all creation. Any other beings advanced enough to have radio receivers must be as aware of the natural universal laws as we are. So, the kind of signals sent contain simple chemical and mathematical formulae, descriptions of human beings and the solar system. And the skinny triangle. The great skinny triangle, with a very small baseline and one extremely small angle. It enabled Earth-bound astronomers to measure the diameter of planets and even the distance of certain stars. I still don't see the connection between all that and the Magnificent Seven. That voice you picked up, Chipper was repeating the message sent out by Arecibo, and... And I picked it up. No, not the message. The reply. Eh? Where from? Well, the message was directed towards the constellation Centaurus. Oh, that seems too fantastic to be true. Arecibo's main target was the star Alpha Centauri. That's the closest star to our solar system. Four and a half light years away. In other words, a spaceship travelling non-stop at the speed of light would take four and a half years to reach it. Exactly the time it would take a radio message. And four and a half years to get back the reply. Is that what all that row was? A reply to Arecibo's message to outer space? Most likely, yes. 
then what we need is for Arecibo to reply to their reply. It's not as simple as that. The Arecibo was broken up for scrap. But their message? You said Arecibo sent it. Yes, but more than 30 years ago. Way back in the 1970s. 1970s? And we've only just heard? After more than 30 years? Yes. From a distant star? Probably. Now, wait a minute, Magnus. Are you suggesting that intelligent beings more than 15 light years away from Earth are trying to contact us? I think they've done it. But that voice, so loud, and in English. It could have been coming from the moon or the Earth. Exactly. You mean they are on the moon? Maybe not on the moon, but close, very close. I believe, gentlemen, that we are on the brink of a space-age breakthrough. What? Personal contact with extraterrestrial beings. In that episode of Space Force, Chipper was played by Nicky Henson, Magnus by Nigel Stock, Saxon by Barry Foster, and Lodrick by Tony Osoba, with Wendy Murray and Teresa Stretfield. Space Force was written by Charles Chilton and produced by Paul Mayhew Archer. Hi guys, don't forget to check out the podcast every Friday at 6pm. Hope to see you there. And back to the show. Hi, Kev here. New to my podcast is my replay list. Go check them out. Thanks again. Now back to the podcast.